0: What is going on, everybody? Rogers Bass here, and welcome to another episode of Touch Bass with Rogers Bass. It is Friday, June 23rd, 2023, and we have a lot of stuff to go over this week. I think this is absolutely the busiest single week that I've had since I started this podcast all those weeks ago. Hello, everybody, and welcome in the chat. Welcome, welcome. We have so much to go over. There was, I mean, literally, think about what happened in the last seven days. We had the first ever trailer for One Piece Netflix. We had a surprise Nintendo Direct that ended up being one of the greatest Nintendo Directs probably in recent memory. I feel like there were some people who were overall mixed on it, who wanted some more hardcore stuff, but I feel like for the mainstream Nintendo fan, this Nintendo Direct was absolutely positively packed. Then in addition to that, we got the launch of Final Fantasy 16. That game just came out yesterday. I have a lot to talk about regarding that game. I have a lot to talk about regarding a lot of games. This has been a very busy week in terms Games. And then, on top of all of that, I have to give a very special shout out to Chanseel, who put together this amazing concept for Nefertari Vivi and what it would be like if she had Kuma's Devil Fruit. So, for all the One Piece theorist heads out there, there's a pretty cool segment that I have at the end of today's show to go over with all of you, thanks to that concept art as well. But today is going to be really, really awesome. And I want to start this stream off by saying thank you to Square Enix, because they're not sponsoring the stream today or anything, but as many of you guys know, about two weeks ago, I went to a preview event, uploaded a full preview of Final Fantasy 16, shared all of my thoughts, and then last week, they sent over a review code for the game for me to play, and so basically, off-camera, secretly, I played all the way up to where uh, the demo basically took me, and then everywhere up to that, I played during the preview event that I went to, so that's all the way up to the second major icon battle. Now, I've been going back and forth on whether or not I actually want to stream. Final Fantasy 16, and I guess I should just say right off the top of this video, I will not be doing a full playthrough. Of FF16 on the YouTube channel, obviously I love Final Fantasy, but I really do want to kind of enjoy it on my own. I'm sure there are going to be hype moments, and I'm kind of just going to leave it to you guys. If I'm like, "Hey, there's a really hype chapter coming up," feel free to let me know, and then I'll reserve that for the stream. But the problem is, my PS5 is in the main living room; it is not here in my streaming room, and so I figure I have to lug all my PS5 stuff over. And I certainly don't want to play in a remote play because then it's going to get laggy and it's going to be a mess, and I don't want to do that either. So I figure when there's something really important, when there's a big portion of the game that you guys are like, we need to see a reaction for it, then I will absolutely stream that. And of course, if I do stream it, it'll be on twitch.tv slash rogersbase. You can go follow me there and uh, go check out whatever Final Fantasy 16 playthrough stuff I end up doing. But obviously, I've been adoring the game. This is something that I mentioned during my preview as well, like in the lead up to the launch of Final Fantasy 16. I, I really didn't know like what to expect. I feel like I am not somebody who really likes hardcore action games like Bayonetta or Devil May- Cry. And in fact, I've even shared this on multiple occasions. I shared this on Japan Time, and I also shared this uh, recently on another podcast that I did, where basically I get sick playing a lot of third-person action games. I'm totally fine playing first-person shooters, like things like Overwatch or whatever. I'm fine playing those. And I'm fine with third-person shooters as well. But like the action-heavy... Platinum games kind of games. Like, I feel like this happened to me with Astral Chain, Bayonetta, Double May Cry, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't really like them, not because I don't like the aesthetic. I think the aesthetic of those games is great. I think the music is great. I think there's a lot to love in those games. I just, like I said, physically cannot play them. It's the kind of thing where I get sick playing them. That is not the case with Final Fantasy 16. That was my number one worry going to that preview event. I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to get sick. I'm not going to be able to play it. I've had no problems whatsoever. I feel like whatever the thing is with action game cameras that makes me sick playing other games, I don't have that with FF-16. I feel totally fine, Uh, which makes me very, very happy. Because again, I love the Final Fantasy franchise. And also, 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 I want to address something very briefly while we're in this Final Fantasy segment of the show. I want to say something right now, okay? because I've seen a lot of people asking in my comments section. I've seen a lot of people going, Roger, when are you going to continue this? I will absolutely, positively, 100% be finishing N. Walker this year. I am going to finish ff14 and walker it will be on stream i will stream the finale of that game guaranteed i don't know when i'm going to get a chance to stream it though because i have a lot of other games that i want to play and that's going to be a whole nother discussion for a little bit later in the show but i absolutely will be finishing and walker i think there were a lot of people who enjoyed my realm reborn videos and my uh I didn't upload my Shadowbringer one because I had COVID when that happened, but um, I uploaded my Stormblood ones, I uploaded my Heavensward ones, and obviously there's a lot of moments in FF14 that made me lose my mind, like really big reaction moments, and I feel like I'm probably going to have those same type of moments while playing through Endwalker, but it's the kind of thing where is like a big time commitment. It's kind of a similar situation that I have with Genshin Impact, where you know how when I play Genshin Impact on stream, it's normally when it's like a really big story portion of the game, and so right now now obviously we've had a lot of stuff to play. I've been playing Zelda, I've been playing Street Fighter, I have stuff to talk about regarding Street Fighter a little bit later in the stream too, but I feel like I've just been playing a lot of stuff and I haven't really had time for the really big games, things like Genshin and things like um, Final Fantasy XIV. Actually though, now that I'm thinking about it, correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, I think we finished Genshin Impact Sumeru stuff this year. Wasn't that February? Because I think I was doing that in tandem with my uh, Sonic Frontier stuff and with my Fire Emblem Engage stuff. So actually, we, we were playing that earlier this year. So it really hasn't even been that long since the last time I streamed Genshin. Um, but again, Fontaine is just around the corner. There's gonna be a new thing in Genshin we're gonna be playing later in the year. And I know, I know they haven't said anything. I don't know any like actual real thing. I'm speculating, but I feel like 99% sure I'm pretty positive about this. I feel like at the Final Fantasy 14 Fan Fest that's happening in Vegas later this year, I feel like they're going to announce the next expansion and I really want to be done with FF14 by that next expansion so then that way i can play live with all of you i can play with all of my friends who are huge into it too a lot of people don't even know that i'm a big ff14 fan but i love that game hands down my favorite mmo i actually have been enjoying though um fantasy star online too i've been enjoying that a lot i did that sponsored video last week for that game played a little bit more off camera and i've been having fun with that too um so yeah final fantasy 14 stuff is coming. Now with that being said, getting back to Final Fantasy 16, one thing I want to mention right off the gate, I love the story in this game. I think the story in FF 16, at least from what I've played right now, is very, very good. And without getting too heavy into spoilers, because I really want people to be able to play that game on their own, I feel like the dynamic between Joshua and Clive, and sort of their story, and what happens at the very beginning of the game, leading into sort of kind of what happens in the Benedicta fight, which is the big second icon battle that's in the castle. I feel like everything leading up to that is just really well paced in terms of stories and character reveals. I mentioned this during my demo video a little while ago, but like, Cid is probably my favorite iteration of Cid so far. Obviously Cid is a recurring character in a lot of Final Fantasy games, but this version of Cid in particular, FF16 version of Cid, brilliant. With all the Ramu stuff, I just, I absolutely love it. Now while we are still on the topic of ff16 there is something else i want to mention as well which is the amazing package that square sent my way i was going to talk about this a little earlier i'm sorry audio listeners if you want to see what i'm talking about you got to jump over to youtube and watch the video version of the podcast but by the way i want to give a special shout out to all the audio listeners who have been listening to touch base with rogers base on spotify on apple podcasts on audible i've been tracking all the podcast analytics i am amazed by the amount of people that have been enjoying this on Spotify already, that have already gone to go follow the show, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. I feel like I'm th- growing another uh, like brand ambassador kind of infinity stone or something. I've got YouTube, and now I've got Twitter and TikTok, and now it's like, boom, I'm putting the Spotify one in my gauntlet, too. So thank you once again to everybody who's been supporting the show on Spotify, leaving good reviews, Q&As, all that good stuff. Really, really Thank you very much. Now, okay, my Final Fantasy 16 box from Square. I got to show you guys this. First and foremost, look at this. They sent me this separately. Check out this beautiful hoodie that they sent me. Final Fantasy 16. It's got one of the uh, one of the icons on there. Obviously, I won't say anything for spoilers, but check out the back of the hoodie as well. Look at this. Isn't this gorgeous? Got the classic fight from the beginning of the game. How do I already have a little fuzz on this thing? That's ridiculous, but absolutely beautiful. Really, really great hoodie. And I mean, this would have been enough. Had Square just sent this over, I would have been perfectly content. I would have been super happy, but they did not stop there. Square said, no, 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 Roger, you were kind enough to go to that preview event and talk about the game. So we sent you this as well. And actually I can safely say right now, they sent me this about uh, two weeks ago and I was going to tweet out a thank you and they were like, no, 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 don't say anything yet. This is under embargo. So now I'm going to show you what was in the box that they sent me. So check this out. Look at this beautiful box. Fate will fall, it's an actual wooden Box that was sent to me from the UK that has the brand on it and everything. It's absolutely gorgeous. Easily one of the nicest, like, creator boxes that I think any company has sent me. This is absolutely. Phenomenal. You guys are going, Roger's flexing, I promise I'm not trying to flex, I'm just saying thank you. I just want to make sure to say thank you. Just as I say thank you to my viewers, just as I say thank you to everybody who listens to the show, I got to give a thank you to Square as well for sending this my way. I also have not yet opened this box because I've been waiting for the stream, so I figured why not open it on stream together. So let's take this little band right off. Once again, you can see with the crest on there, really, 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 really nice. Darth Nader is saying, "Aw, thanks for waiting. You are very welcome. Of course, I didn't want to do this off camera. And thank you once again to all the members who are here. Greatly appreciate it. All right, here we go. We're going to open the box. Look how cool that looks. Fate will fall. Final Fantasy 16. That's the wrong franchise. i <laughs> singing the Zelda treasure chest theme. But look at how gorgeous this is, man. Look at this. Final Fantasy 16, we've got some key art. What else is in here? Let me see. Here, I'll put this down. It's gonna be a little ASMR version of the show, I guess, because you guys are hearing (laughs) what it is that's in this box. Look at my green screen messing up and everything. All right, so first off, oh, does this come out? Oh, wait, no, that's the top of the box. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't think I removed that. That's literally the top of the box. I thought that was a piece of artwork or something. All right, so first off, what is this you have this cool little wax stamp that says 16 on it and I'm assuming it's got a really cool piece of artwork here let's slide this baby down hold on I'll get it real close to the microphone so you guys can ASMR give me a second here we we go a little bit of a wax seal I still really like that man very very cool check that out all right now also by the way Chad did you notice I got auto focus working on my camera again do you notice how I did this, and I showed the wax stamp, and then it focused, and then it went back, and now it's me again? I was having so many issues the past couple Touch base with Rogers base shows, because my face was blurry, and I didn't know what was going on. My background was blurry and stuff, but now things are looking good. Check out this beautiful artwork of Clive right here. Look at that. And I love that they put it on this cool, like, ripped-up kind of shredded weird aged looking paper and it says here Final Fantasy 16 Fate will fall the sun is setting upon the land of Valisthea and it's got a little play your way thing on the back strength to strength little features about the game very very cute i love that i don't even want to like take this out of the box though i also just realized the other side of this band that was holding the box together has 16 written on it it's kind of a shade of green though so right now my green screen's taking it out of there but check that out Very, very cool. Blackthorn said Clive has the Riz. He definitely does, especially if you've played the game. All right. Now, let's see. I removed that, and now you can see there's another little segment underneath that says Final Fantasy 16. So let's see what this is all about. Now, the problem is I don't want to break anything. Here we go. So this comes... Oh! Oh! Oh, I see something in here I really like. So you can see I got this. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Look at this. I am never, ever going to drink alcohol the same way ever again. Wow. Look at this mug. This is sick. I love this. All right. So for audio listeners. Oh, what the heck is this, too? It's got a little stamp on the side. For audio listeners, it is a giant wooden classic fantasy style mug. Look at this. And in gold written on the front, it says Final Fantasy 16. Wow, wow, wow. And the inside, I love too, that the inside isn't actually wood. They're like, look, all right, it's 2023. We don't want splinters in your grog. Okay, here we go. This is is awesome. Dude, this is so cool. Wow. Yeah, this is absolutely meant to be like a mead mug or something like that. You know, fun fact, I went to my very first Ren Fair a couple months ago here in L.A., and I had a great time. This is coming with me to the Ren Fair next year. I'm going to hook it to my clothes, walk around with it, and take a drink for Clive. This is really, 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 really nice. Look at that. Final Fantasy 16, And you can see on the very bottom, too, Square Enix is written on there with a little diamond and in gold, too. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Also, I see Julian Price in my chat saying, Roger, hopefully your voice isn't too shot from that Nintendo Direct. I'm looking forward to hearing you speak about it more here. Much love. Don't you worry about a thing. Nintendo Direct talk is coming. And my voice is actually pretty okay considering how much I was screaming, not just during the Nintendo Direct, but during the finale of my Tears of the Kingdom playthrough as well. I feel like there's been a lot of stuff that I've been screaming over and the Netflix stuff. The past week, I've just been screaming nonstop. But actually, I feel pretty good. I don't know, my vocal cords are fine. I've been resting them for the most part. I'm feeling good, but yeah. Heidi in the chat is also saying too, the quality of this Final Fantasy 16 gift is impressive. A wood tankard, very medieval in a modern way. I absolutely love it. Yeah, but again, this is really, really beautiful stuff. Thank you once again, Square. Now there's more in here, hold on. Oh, cool. We've got a little image here of Clive and of Joshua and actually the back of it is instructions on how to use your wooden tankard. It says here, do not wet the wooden part with water. Use a damp piece of cloth for cleaning the outside. Use a sponge and soap to wash the inner metal cup and do not wash in the dishwasher, underlined. Do not put it in the microwave either. Make sure to store it in a dry place. You got it, you got it. No dishwasher, no microwave, easy enough. Why would I be microwaving my ale? So I think that's not gonna be a problem at all, but I will absolutely positively make sure not to, Not to throw this in the dishwasher. But again, I wouldn't have anyway, because it's wood. I mean, come on now. Also, thank you, by the way, to everybody who's sending super chat questions. We will absolutely get to that later in the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, sending super chat questions. Don't worry. I'm not ignoring them. We're just storing them for a little bit later in the show once I've gone through all my major topics. Because, again, we got to keep it moving. we got, like, 90 minutes to talk about everything. And there's so much that happened this week and so much I want to go over. But I greatly appreciate all of you. Thank you. Now. On the bottom of this, we also have, what is this? Oh, a little diary? Wow! A leather diary. Final Fantasy 16, and it's got a map of the world on it, two little bookmarks. Man, between my Fantasy Star notebook the previous day and then my awesome little diary, it's like, I got notebooks for days now. This is beautiful. It's even got the leather thing around it, wow. And you can see the very front of it, Final Fantasy 16. This is quality. Man, oh man, oh man. And the very first page, stamped in there, it says, fate will fall. Wow. (laughs) Naiko in the chat is going, Roger can really become an RPG character with all this medieval stuff. I definitely feel like that. Yeah, gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I feel like almost, more than this being a notebook, I would want to use it as like a sketchbook or something. Look at that. Nice cute, clear pages. There isn't like a grid or anything on there. There's nothing else written on there. Absolutely beautiful. Or I could just write a story. I could write my own story instead of writing the story of FF16. I could write my own story in this beautiful uh Final Fantasy 16 little journal. Really, really lovely. Man, the camera really doesn't do this thing justice. But like you could see the ends are bound with string as well, and the whole thing is leather. You could see a little bit of the Little map in the back, too. Really, really beautiful stuff. Really beautiful. Wow. And then you can see now, it's it's emptied out. So, here you go. <laughs> but thank you once again to Square Enix for this amazing care package for Final Fantasy 16. Obviously, I will be talking about the game more on future episodes once I've actually played more. But again, I haven't really had a chance to play other than catching up to where I was in the game. Um, just simply due to the fact that I needed to finish Zelda and I wanted to finish, before FF-16, uh, world tour mode of Street Fighter VI, which actually, I think, I want to talk about that a little bit first. Let me actually bring this all back in, move this stuff out of here, and let me talk a little bit about how I feel regarding Street Fighter 6, because now I have officially completed world tour mode of Street Fighter 6. I'm also going to take the hoodie off temporarily, because it is pretty hot in here. It's a hot summer day in LA. We've got these lights beating on me, so as beautiful as this hoodie is, I'm certainly not going to uh, (laughs) wear it the entire show. I'll take a photo in it later. Now, Street Fighter 6. I mentioned on a previous episode of Touch Base with Rogers Base that I've been playing it. I've been playing a lot of Cammy, a lot of Chun-Li, a lot of DJ. I've been having fun on the fighting ground. I actually got 100% of the trophies in fighting ground and in world tour mode now. So I've cleared all of that. The only trophies I have left on PS5 are some of like the Battle Hub trophies, which some of which I can't even get that until they start opening up tournaments. But I want to say this. okay? I loved world tour mode of Street Fighter 6 up until the very, very end, and then I hated it more than anything else. Let me explain to you what happens at the end of world tour mode in Street Fighter 6. No spoilers, okay? The whole world tour mode, you are fighting whoever you want to fight. You're doing side missions. Everything's great. You're sparring with your masters. You're getting new abilities. It's fantastic. You're getting to learn these other characters. I never would have picked up DJ if not for world tour mode. I love it. And then... At the very, very, very end of World Tour mode, you go up to the peak of this mountain, and there's a tournament. Obviously, it wouldn't be a Street Fighter game without a tournament. And there's this tournament. And this tournament forces you to do these four fights in a row that you have to win, that you can't just like easily rise up from, and it's very difficult to just cheese your way through with items, and by that point, you've already been using up your items because you didn't know that you needed to conserve them for this final bit. You go through these four characters, you fight all of them, and then at the very, very ending, you fight a character that's then eight levels higher than all the other characters that you've gotten to. And I'm like, why on God's green earth did they do this? Especially because the character you fight at the ending has a very different play style, and if you're not too careful, can just completely obliterate you. Now, with that being said, thankfully, I have been playing a lot against that character that was at the end of World Tour Mode on Battle Hub, so I kind of knew the matchup. So that was much easier for me than the lead-up tournament where there was this massive difficulty spike. And the problem is, it wasn't difficult because the CPU was difficult or because the fighting styles were difficult to try to understand. It was difficult because one, the characters all start becoming damage sponges. Like these final four characters in this tournament, every single one tanks hit after hit after hit after hit. And again, I was level 50 when I first attempted this. All right, I went through the whole affinity chart tournament power thing, right? I leveled up all my abilities. I massively raised up my vitality. I massively raised up my strength. I I bought special permanent upgrade abilities, everything. I did all of this, and again, I'm not saying I'm like the greatest street fighter player in the world, but I feel like I'm better than the average player, because all my friends play fighting games, and I'm immersed in the world of FGC because of Japan time. So like, I love fighting games. I know Kami. I know some of these matchups. I know the matchups of certain characters that characters in the tournament were based on. So I knew what to do in those situations. But then you would do literally one hit. You'd get hit once by one of these characters. They would smack you and you would die. And you're like, How is this even possible? It doesn't make any sense. And then the CPU obviously knows what you're gonna do in certain situations and then you you get stuck in a corner and then you just die instantly. And then you have to do the entire thing over again, but If you choose to give up midway through and you're like, ah, whatever, you know what, I don't feel like fighting this other guy, it then sends you back to the bottom of the mountain and you have to climb all the way back up the mountain again through all these scrubs that aren't even difficult and they haven't even refreshed where you could fight them again because the game has this sort of timer thing where if you fought an NPC to try to get Zenny or to try to get, um, you know, abilities or items or whatever, you can't fight them again until after a certain period of time. So I'm sitting there stuck against not being able to fight any of these NPC characters. I can't grind really against anybody else. I've been fighting my masters over and over and over again. And thankfully, like I know the Kami matchup, I know the Chun-Li matchup, and I maxed out my master rank with both of them, so I was just sparring them nonstop. But I was like, how is it possible that the fights against level 65 Chun-Li and level 65 Kami are easier than a level 50 no-name NPC fight that's in the middle of this tournament at the ending? I was so upset. I cannot stress enough how angry I was. Reagan can attest to this. Last night, I really wanted to finish world tour mode because now I'm like, Final Fantasy 16 is out there. I know I'm ahead of the average player because, again, like, I got a preview build of the game, but I didn't have that much time to play it because I was playing Tears of the Kingdom and finishing streaming that for you guys. And so I was like, all right, well, you know what? I just, I need to finish World Tour mode before I do Touch Base with Rogers Base. I really want to see how this ends. I want to see what happens with Bosh. I want to see the whole thing. So I played through that whole thing last night, and I was like, mm, I maybe only got like an hour or two left. I saw how many chapters were left. I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then that was like 8.30 or something last night. And I had to grind until midnight, until midnight to get strong enough to then fight the characters that were in the tournament so they wouldn't just kill me after one hit. And even then I had to buy all these extra items and things to then heal myself up. It was just, it was a nightmare. So by the time I actually went back to bed, it was like 12.30 or 1 or something. And normally I'm up pretty early. Normally, I mean, I get up at like 7, 7.30. Apparently I slept till 9.30 today. I was clocked out after all the stuff I had to do in Street Fighter yesterday. I was so tired, but thankfully I finished it. And I don't want my experience with World Tour Mode to um, basically negatively affect how I feel about the rest of the game. Because otherwise, I feel like Street Fighter VI is amazing. This is hands down my favorite Street Fighter game since three. I love three. I'm a huge sucker for Third Strike. I enjoyed the little bit of what I played in five, and I fiended a lot of Street Fighter 4 when I was in college, but then at the same time, my roommates weren't really into it, so we played more Brawl instead, we played more Smash Brothers, we played Goldeneye or whatever. We didn't really end up playing a lot of Street Fighter 4. But again, Street Fighter 6, very excellent. I would just say, be prepared, because again, the rest of World Tour mode is great. It's just the very, 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 very ending of World Tour Mode that I was really annoyed with. The very ending. The rest of it, fantastic. The localization is really good. There's lots of really fun little quips and things that they make in response to other old Capcom games. Like, the humor's there. I think there's other, like, Carlos Miyamoto shows up from Final Fight. Like, what? There's just a lot of other cool characters that show up in this World Tour Mode, and I feel like... If you really just take your time with it and you really, really, really go out of your way to do every single side mission, then maybe by the time you get to the ending, maybe you won't need to grind to get to the end like I did. But just keep in mind, if you're like level 50 by the tournament at the end of World Tour Mode and you're about to enter the tournament, remember what Old Rogers Base said, wait and go do a bunch of side missions and grind for like 8 9 levels before you try taking that thing on again because again you are going to have a hard time with it it was it was so annoying man i'll tell you but beyond that beyond street fighter 6 and again i enjoyed the rest of that and beyond final fantasy 16 there's one other big what you've been playing kind of update that i have to share with you all today again this has been a gaming heavy show today. We've t- this, The first 30 minutes has just been me talking about Final Fantasy and Street Fighter because I've been playing them. But there is one other game that I just finished that I have to give a shout out to that I have to talk about a little bit. And that is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, Most of you who are watching this podcast right now or listening on Spotify are probably aware of the fact that for the past month and a half, I have been streaming my playthrough of Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, my playthrough is complete. Yesterday, I finished the game live on stream. I streamed for like four hours. That's the reason maybe my voice sounds slightly hoarse today is due to the fact that I was screaming over the final fight twice because then we had to play it again to get through the secret ending i'm gonna repeat on this show what i said during that stream and again if you want my full impressions of tears of the kingdom go watch the playthrough i did a full 10 part playthrough on the youtube channel in fact i'm gonna plug it right now i'm gonna go on my other screen we're gonna go over here i'm gonna show you guys this is my little list of games that i beat in 2023 we're gonna go to the rogers based channel you're gonna scroll down over here tears of the kingdom complete check out this playlist all 10 parts new thumbnails everything's time stamped it's all good to go if you want to experience the game make sure to check it out um but with that being said i thought the finale was absolutely excellent and without getting into spoilers because again i know a lot of people have not beaten the game yet i just wanted to beat it again before final fantasy 16. i will say this i feel like the finale of tears of the kingdom is significantly better than the finale of Breath of the Wild in every single way. And that is not to say that Breath of the Wild is no longer one of my favorite Zelda games. I still love Breath of the Wild. I still think Breath of the Wild is one of my favorite games ever. I would still probably put it top 20, top 25. I really enjoy it. And I even mentioned on my first Touch Base with Rogers Base, I just played through Master Mode of that game. Again, and it was still great. But I will say this. I feel like story-wise... Tears of the Kingdom is better. I feel like, music-wise, Tears of the Kingdom is significantly better. There are so many amazing musical themes in Tears of the Kingdom that I think Breath of the Wild was sorely lacking. I think, boss-wise, this game is significantly better. I think the Shrines and the Shrine puzzles and what you do with the Sheikah Slate, where, you know, obviously in the first game you've got the Stasis ability and Cryonis and stuff like that. I feel like Fuse and Ultra Hand and Recall are better. Overall powers for Link than the powers in Breath of the Wild were in literally every single way Tears of the Kingdom succeeds. Tears of the Kingdom is also better in terms of the map because it's like three times the size of Breath of the Wild You've got the sky. You've got the ground. You've got everything. It's just it's fantastic I absolutely adore it once again if you have not been playing Tears of the Kingdom Get on that, all right? I don't know what you're waiting for. I would love to know from people who have not played Tears of the Kingdom yet, who have enjoyed Zelda games, what are you waiting for? Because it's just so unbelievably good. I feel like, I'm gonna again, repeat what I said on that stream yesterday. Not only do I think this is probably the best game on Switch tied with Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, For me, personally, I feel like this is one of the single best video games of all time that I've ever played. That encompasses everything. Like I would say, I mentioned this before, my top three of all time prior to Tears of the Kingdom was probably, in no particular order, Super Metroid, Chrono Trigger, Smash Brothers Ultimate, and I feel like Tears of the Kingdom has maybe bumped past Ultimate for me, even though there's a lot of nostalgia and a lot of things to love about Ultimate that's a giant fan service game. I think it's bumped past Ultimate and I actually think it might've bumped past Chrono Trigger. I just have to play Chrono Trigger again. I haven't played Chrono Trigger in recent years. I have it on my DS. There's been other stuff to play. I haven't gone back to play it in recent memory, but I absolutely adore that game. Obviously my number one forever and always is Super Metroid. I have such a soft spot for Super Metroid. I replay that like once or twice a year. I just love it. I love the aesthetic of it. I love the music of it. I think that is the perfect video game. In terms of a short video game, Super Metroid for me is number one. In terms of a long 100 hour video game, I, I think Tears of the Kingdom is number one and I can't think of anything else that comes close because even think about Chrono Trigger that game is only about like 40 hours long this is this is to be compared with things like I mean I don't even maybe the Xenoblade titles and I would say and this is shocking because I love Xenoblade but I would say for as much as I love Xenoblade 1 specifically the definitive edition I would put Tears of the Kingdom above it for as much as I love Breath of the Wild I would put Tears of the Kingdom above it I feel like there are just so many games now that I would put Tears of the Kingdom above. And I don't just think it's recency bias. I think it's just the way they developed this game and how this game allows you to really do whatever the heck you want to do. It's brilliant. It really is truly brilliant. One of the best games of all time. Greatly enjoy it. Um, but again, For my full thoughts on Tears of the Kingdom, my full thoughts on Zelda, I was actually planning on doing for part of the podcast this week, I was going to do like a Zelda tier list and rank all the Zelda games now that I've beaten Tears of the Kingdom, but I can't because we have too much other stuff to go over on today's podcast episode. There's literally too much to talk about. So I can't spend another minute talking about Tears of the Kingdom. So let's transition from talking about Tears of the Kingdom to talking about another Nintendo topic, which was this week's Nintendo Direct. The Nintendo Direct that dropped just a couple days ago, I think in general was one of the single best Nintendo Directs of the modern Switch era. Now, Let me preface this by saying, I think there have been better Nintendo Directs in terms of announcements for me personally during the Switch era, right? And what I mean by that is, I think back to E3 2019, where they announced Hero and Smash Brothers Banjo Kazooie and Smash Brothers showed more of Animal Crossing New Horizons, gave us the announcement for Tears of the Kingdom back when it was still called the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Right there was, and Fire Emblem was in there as well, wasn't it? Fire Emblem Three Houses was shown for a little bit. So 2019 E3, phenomenal. Peak. One of the best ones they've ever done. I also think that was also the year with Pokemon Sword, right? Or was Pokemon Sword 2018? I don't know, I can't remember. I think it might have been 2019. Either way, it was a phenomenal year. Regardless of what got announced E3 2019, I remember that being a really, really amazing year for Nintendo. This Nintendo Direct that dropped right now obviously was not like an E3 Direct. It wasn't, right? There was no E3 this year. By the way, hold on, moment of silence. Let's all give a moment of silence for E3 which is now officially dead, in case you guys haven't heard the news, E3 2024 and E3 2025 have been officially canceled. According to the LA Board of Tourism, there is no E3 2024, there is no E3 2025. As much as it saddens me that there's not gonna be any more E3 because of what a big part of my life E3 was from like when I was 18 when I went to my very first E3 to the very last one that I went to, I still kind of feel like it's okay that it died. I feel like I went to 10 E3s, and a lot of those E3s were the classic E3s. I was going to E3 since the days of the Wii. My first E3 was the E3 where they announced Other M and Mario Galaxy 2. I was in the audience at the press conference when they announced Mario Galaxy 2. I remember the days of Cammie Dunaway, where she walked on stage with Sean White snoreboarding and all the mainstream Nintendo games on the Wii, I was there. You can go back and look at E3 2010 when they announced Kirby's Epic Yarn for the first time right after Donkey Kong Country Returns and Reggie talks about it. You could go back to the official stream for Nintendo that year. And you will see me in the audience next to my buddy Will Thompson from VG Tribune. We are sitting in the audience cheering for Kirby's Epic Yawn. I was there every single year and I loved it. But again, I feel like personally for me, E3 has not been the same since the death of the press conference. Specifically, the death of the E3 press conference. I feel like once Nintendo started doing directs, I no longer really feel like I needed to go to E3 every day. I feel like when they were having press conferences, I felt like I gotta go every day, I gotta get the full booth experience, it's gonna be awesome. And like, that's not to say that Nintendo didn't go out, go all out with booth experiences. I feel like their last few E3s were really, really good, right? We had the um, Pokemon Sword and Shield one with the little diorama of Link's Awakening. They had the one during the end of the Wii U era that had the Muppets in the little media booth. That was the iconic E3 that I'm saving the stories for whenever Kit and Krista come on the podcast. I haven't invited them yet because I'm not having guests on the show yet but when Kit and Krista eventually come on we will be telling the story of that E3 that was a legendary E3 I can't wait to talk about it in future detail but I'm saving that story for when they eventually come on the podcast but I've been to a lot of really really good E3s for Nintendo and I feel like they just weren't the same since they stop doing the press conferences. And again, that's kind of silly because the press conference is before the first day of even the show. It's like right before the show floor opens. So it's not like them having the press conference is gonna make the actual show any better. But it's like the week of E3 just has never been the same without the press conference, especially because I'll get a little bit of insider baseball, let me tell you guys this, there used to be a developer conference in addition to the press conference that a very small group of people used to go to. Your boy of course went, shout out to Go Nintendo. shout out to where I met Nintendon for the first time. I'd be going to those developer conferences because I'm buddies with a lot of people at Nintendo. I used to work as a product demonstrator back when I was in Chicago. So I had the in to go to these developer conferences, but basically. Every second day of the show, in the afternoon, around like 4 or 5 p.m., all the Nintendo fans would go line up, at the very top floor of the L.A. Convention Center, and in the little theater, they would have a developer roundtable based on whatever game was there that year. So the year that I went, I think, for the first time is when they showed the artwork for the very first time for Skyward Sword. I was there when Chris Kohler asked about Pikmin, whether or not we're going to get Pikmin 3. I was there when they showed Zombie U for the first time, and back when, like, uh, Raving Rat, not Raving Rabbids, but what was the other one? It was like the, there was some outer space game that they were making for Wii U. I mean, I went to a bunch of these developer roundtables. Tables and those were great as well, and they kept doing those even after they stopped doing press conferences. But then eventually, I think it was my second to last E3. They stopped doing those altogether, and then it just... I don't know. I feel like the last two years, I still went to E3 and it was fun, but I only went for a day. I went for my media appointments at all the, you know, the regular media companies, all the places that I always need to stop by. All the ones that I loved, I stopped by Nintendo. I'd stop by Sega, I'd stop by Square, I'd stop by Konami, I'd stop by all the regulars, I'd stop by Natsume, you know. And uh, and then I don't know, it just it was never the same after that. But I'm getting off topic because we got on this topic by talking about the Nintendo Direct that just happened. And where I was going with that entire conversation is that I feel like this Nintendo Direct that we just got felt like a classic E3 level Nintendo Direct and I feel like the past few of the past couple years since E3 died have been really good right there have been great Nintendo Directs with Fire Emblem Engage getting announced with some of the Final Smash Fighters as well but again a lot of those Directs are more tailored to people like me people who like JRPGs people who like Xenoblade people who like Fire Emblem people who like some of their you know not necessarily more mainstream titles but they're more niche titles. I feel like people who like the niche Nintendo titles have been fed for the past two years. And I feel like people who like their Marios and their Pikmins and all that kind of stuff really haven't gotten much from the past few Nintendo Directs. And even when you think about how they marketed Tears of the Kingdom, right? Tears of the Kingdom never really had like a massive Nintendo Direct. They did that little developer video with Alnuma where he showed off gameplay for the first time. They had the little bit of a trailer at the end of one of the Nintendo Directs, but it wasn't really a primary focus of the Direct. Um, They had like the little gameplay thing as well at the end of the one that was last year. But again, that was it, that's all we saw. So I think it would have been different if like, there was a massive focus on Tears of the Kingdom over the course of the past two years in addition to everything else that we got, and there wasn't. So again, as a Xenoblade fan, Fire Emblem fan, Smash Brothers fan, I've been happy. But again, the mainstream Mario people, I feel like have been waiting for something like this. And now I feel like they absolutely, finally... Wait, what did I say? I see someone donated and said, you said, Sean White snoreboarding and Kirby's Epic Yawn. Are you still tired from F of Six? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 I said Kirby's Epic Yarn. I might've actually had a Freudian slip and said, Sean White snoreboarding. I might've said that, but I, I'm pretty sure I didn't say Epic Yawn because I like Epic Yarn. Epic Yarn's a really fun game. Anyway, getting off topic. Thank you for the super chat though. That was very funny. Um. Getting back to the topic, this Nintendo Direct was filled with announcements for everyone. You had your Mario announcements, and they weren't just like bare-bones Mario announcements. They were big Mario announcements, new mainline Mario, remake of Mario RPG. You had um, the new Princess Peach game, which I don't know if that's 2D or not. You've got the Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon HD remaster. So all the stuff for Mario fans. Then you've got all the stuff for Pikmin fans. you got Pikmin 1 and Pikmin 2. Shadow dropping. You get a massive gameplay reveal for Pikmin 4. You get to see the glow Pikmin for the first time that are absolutely beautiful. You see the Dandori mode. We are fighting with, like, Olimar that looks like Animal from the Muppets, and that looks super-duper fun. It's like Dandori Battle or something. The game looks really great. We saw more of the character customization. I think Pikmin 4 looks amazing. I will absolutely be playing some of that on stream. I adore Pikmin. By the way, also, hold on, i got to give a quick shout-out again to Nintendo. Thank you once again, to Nintendo, for sending two codes my way right after the announcement for Pikmin 1 and Pikmin 2. The game Shadow Dropped, they sent me a code right away, and because of that, I'll probably be doing at least one or two Pikmin 1 or Pikmin 2 streams on Twitch. So if you're not following me on Twitch and you want to see my Pikmin gameplay, make sure to go follow me on Twitch. Though, I will say this, if you are a member of my YouTube channel and I end up streaming a Pikmin playthrough of any of these Pikmin games, they will be uploaded for members here on the YouTube channel. I know, I feel like that thing of sort of trading off like a playthrough for everyone and a playthrough for members has worked really, really nicely. I did that from Triangle Strategy then for members and then I went to Pokemon Scarlet for everybody and then now, you know, Tears of the Kingdom and right between Tears of the Kingdom and that, we did Kirby. So now I've got another members playthrough coming. It'll probably be one of the Pikmin games not committing to anything big. I'm just saying if we do a playthrough at all on Twitch, it'll be up for members here on YouTube. Anyway, let me continue. The Pikmin game looked incredible, Pikmin 4 looks great, 1 and 2 shadow dropping, incredible. Then, on top of all the Pikmin news, on top of all the Mario news, we get announcements about the Zelda and Ganondorf Tears of the Kingdom amiibo, which I think are beautiful, and I think was so smart that they announced the amiibo and didn't announce DLC, because my guess is, and it's not even a guess, I know. Okay, Nintendo is not stupid. They did DLC for Breath of the Wild. There's no doubt they're gonna do TLC for Tears of the Kingdom. There's no way. There has to be DLC for Tears of the Kingdom. And if there is DLC for Tears of the Kingdom, I feel like they're probably waiting until maybe fall to announce it because I feel like they want people to get through the main story because that game just came out a month and a half ago, right, it's still a new game. Not everybody's even like me. I, obviously, I had to sort of beat it in a shortened amount of time, even though 110 hours is certainly not short, but I was sort of on a time limit. I knew I needed to beat it before Final Fantasy 16 if I wanted to get all my content out, and so I know a lot of people are still playing through that game. A lot of people have not beaten the final boss yet, and so I think they want people to get to the end of that first, and then they're going to start announcing DLC, but I'm happy they didn't, because now my at least my wallet is happy, because there's two other things that I would have definitely bought. But I know for a fact I'm going to get those amiibos. The Zelda amiibo, the Ganondorf amiibo, looked absolutely beautiful. So there was something there for Zelda fans as well. Then... Then, 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 you get the announcement, which for me personally was so exciting because I'm such a huge Metal Gear fan. You guys know this. I did a Metal Gear Week many, many, many years ago here on the YouTube channel. Full playthrough of Metal Gear Solid, The Twin Snakes is available for my members on YouTube. That was all streamed on YouTube. It was a lot of fun. And anyone who pays attention to any of my content at all, especially in recent memory with the announcement of the Snake Eater remake, knows that I love. Love, love the Metal Gear Solid franchise. MGS1 and MGS3 are like two of my top 20 favorite games ever. I love them. And now, Metal Gear Solid 1, Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, which I have not played in a very, 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 very long time. Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater and Snake's Revenge. The old weird NES one and the original NES Metal Gear, plus their graphic novel thing, they're all on one collection. That collection is coming to Switch. They announced it, I know, during the PlayStation Showcase, but now we got confirmation it is coming to Switch. Thank goodness. I am so happy about that. And then, in terms of announcements that were at other showcases during E3 week, or what would have normally been E3 week, I guess let's call it Summer Games Fest week, In terms of other announcements that were made during that week that were then in this direct, in terms of third-party stuff that I wasn't necessarily sure was going to make its way onto Nintendo systems, we get the confirmation, thankfully, that P5T, Persona 5 Tactica, is indeed coming to Nintendo Switch. Unfortunately, it's coming out really bad timing, it's coming out around the time of Mario RPG, it's coming out around the time of Mario Wonder, so I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to get around it, but I love P5, obviously I'm a huge fan of Persona 5. My friends are voicing characters in it, obviously. Shout out to Erica and Erica and Max and everybody else who's voicing characters in that game. Shout out to all of you. Like, I definitely wanna play it. And obviously you guys who follow my channel know I love strategy games, Final Fantasy Tactics, also one of my all time favorite games. So is Triangle Strategy. I love Triangle Strategy. And so again, a strategy game set in the world of Persona 5 is right up my alley. But there's simply too much stuff coming out. So I can't even find the time to play that game in the first place. Like even think about what came out last month, right before Tears of the Kingdom. We had Battle Network Collection one and two. I downloaded those. I played literally an hour of the original Battle Network. And as much as I love Battle Network, I haven't even had a chance to go through and play any of those games again. Because I had to go from Tears of the Kingdom to Street Fighter and all this other stuff. It's just there's too many games. I need them to slow down. I guess on one hand, it's good to have a lot of content. Gives me a lot of stuff to stream on Twitch. But I feel like this past month in particular was stuff that I had to stream. It was stuff like Tears of the Kingdom and, well, I guess the other topic, I'm not going to segue into that right now. But the One Piece Netflix stuff, I had to talk about stuff on that. Like, there's just been a lot of things that I had to do videos on. And so I haven't had the opportunity to go back and play things like Battle Network. And now I'm kind of concerned I'm going to run into the same problem with the Metal Gear collection. So I know I probably won't play through MGS1 and MGS3 anytime soon. But MGS2... I could probably beat in a couple streams on Twitch and I think that'd be a lot of fun to go back and revisit that. But again, super excited for MGS collection. And then on top of all of that, We also got the announcement of a new WarioWare game, WarioWare Move-It, which was a huge surprise as well. I feel like there have been all these other announcements that were made and coming out of nowhere during this Nintendo Direct. WarioWare was certainly one of them. I did not think we were going to see anything regarding a new WarioWare, but we got that. We got confirmation on the website that Penny is in the game as well. Best character and WarioWare get it together. I'm so happy that she's going to be in this game. Very, very happy about that. Then... In addition to that, we also got a new Dragon Quest Monsters game coming out. There was a remake of Star Ocean 2 that got announced during this. Again, so much stuff. And then on top of that, on top of everything, we actually got Pokemon news, which I did not think was gonna happen in this Nintendo Direct at all. Pokemon is notorious for not putting news in Nintendo Directs, nor unless it's an E3 thing or something like that, which is why, again, I'm comparing this Direct to like an E3 level Direct, because they had Pokemon announcements. We got a sequel, finally, even though it was announced years ago, finally we're getting a sequel for Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu Returns is coming to the Switch, Brand new game, still set in Rhyme City. Mewtwo's there, Pikachu's there, the whole enchilada, the whole gang. Lickitung was in the trailer. Phenomenal. Absolutely, positively phenomenal. We got that. We got more gameplay of the DLC. Wave 1 and Wave 2 for the DLC for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which obviously I'm going to stream. I love that game. I really enjoyed Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I know it had its tech issues. I don't really care. I had a good time with it. Bada bing, bada boom, I'm going to play that DLC. And then on the topic of DLC, they also announced DLC for Mario Kart uh, I almost said Mario Kart 6. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. We got new DLC, Wiggler is coming back, PD Piranha is coming back, Kamek is coming back. There's a new course that takes place in somebody's bathroom. Wave five looks great. I'm super excited to play more of that. That goes in line with the Mario announcements. I mean, there's just been so many giant announcements during this Nintendo Direct. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm still not even touching on. I'm mostly just touching on things that really appealed to me. But again, absolutely phenomenal Nintendo Direct. But before I move on, from recapping this Direct, there are two big games that I have to talk about, okay? And that is Mario Wonder and Mario RPG. I'm going to start by talking about Mario RPG. I'm sure most of you have already seen my reactions to the Nintendo Direct. If you haven't, go on my YouTube channel, watch all my reactions. I uploaded full reactions to Wonder and the RPG and the Direct itself, okay? Mario RPG getting a remake was not on my bingo card for this Direct. Mario RPG is a game that I honestly thought was never gonna get re-released outside of maybe being on NSO. Certainly not a game that I thought was ever gonna be remade. I know there were all these weird licensing issues with Square and with Nintendo, and so I thought, okay, that's sort of just stuck. Maybe if we eventually get it, it'll come to Super Nintendo NSO. I know they put it on the SNES Classic a little while ago, but I think that was the last time they actually ever released it on one of their mainline things. So, and again, that's not even a mainline system. That's the SNES Classic. It's like a specialty thing. So I'm so, 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 so happy that we actually got this announcement. I think the music sounds incredible. The fact that now we're getting orchestrated remixes, that Yoko Shimamura is coming back and redoing her old music tracks. Phenomenal. I think the art style is beautiful. I think they nailed like modernizing what the little squishy look of the characters and the pre rendered look of the characters looked like on SNES into like a modern actual game. You know, what? I saw Taco talking about this on Twitter and I want to give a shout out to him for bringing this up. I think the fact that Nintendo is experimenting with an art style that looks like how we remember the game looking back in the day in regards to Mario RPG, where it's like the characters are still squishy, the designs of the environment still very much look the same. It it looks like how we would remember the game looking, but just has a nice HD visual style to it. I do kind of feel like, and again, Taco brought this up, shout out to Taco. I feel like this kind of opens the door for another future Mario remake, in a style the way we remember it, quote unquote. I could totally see within the next 10 years, Nintendo re-releasing Mario 64 in the art style of those old pre-rendered CG pieces of artwork for Mario 64. Remember like the old artwork that was on the box art for Mario 64 with Wing Mario or Metal Mario or like him swinging Bowser around? I feel like they might do that with Mario 64 in the future. And I think it would be shocking to actually see that, but Mario RPG confirms that Nintendo isn't against doing that now, which I think is awesome. And I also feel like it's got sort of like a, a slight claymation look to it. It's just beautiful. Mario RPG remake coming out later this year. I will absolutely be playing that, probably on stream. I can't wait to revisit that world. That's a fantastic game, and that's a game that I have not fully revisited in a very, very long time. I think the last time I fully beat that game I'm trying to think when it was. Maybe college was the last time that I fully beat Super Mario RPG. I want to see, No, I don't even think it was in college. I think I was in high school. I think I was in high school, and that was the last time that I played it. And then I played a little bit of it when it came to SNES Classic, and then I just never continued because I got busy playing other games. But I will most certainly be playing through the rest of it when it gets re-released. Mario RPG, again, looks phenomenal. The other game... I gotta talk about, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. All right, those of you who follow my channel know, I am not the biggest fan of 2D Mario, I'm just not. I love the 3D Mario games, I love Galaxy, Galaxy 2, Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, amazing, I love it all, but the 2D games, I'm hit or miss. I like Mario 3, I like Mario World, Weirdly enough, I like New Super Mario Brothers Wii, where you could play with four people. I have a lot of nostalgia for that. And I think a big reason why I love that game so much is because it was the first game Nintendo ever sent me, because they sent it to me when I was still in college alongside the red special edition Wii, and it came bundled with it. So I feel like I have a soft spot in my heart for New Super Mario Bros. Wii because of that. But I feel like beyond those three, and I don't count Yoshi's Island as much as I like Yoshi's Island, I'm not counting that, I feel like beyond those three, World, New Super Mario Bros. Wii, and 3, I'm just not the biggest fan of the 2D games. And I feel like the original Super Mario Brother, New Super Mario Bros., the original um, New Super Mario Bros. 2, the one that was on Wii U, they all just kind of felt like, they felt samey to me. The art style was very similar, the font they even used for the course clear looked very similar, the music was very similar. Each one of those games maybe had like one or two levels that I thought looked really interesting but on the whole seemed kind of bland. So for me, I just, I was not a fan of those titles. And I wasn't even really a big fan of the titles that were like the 2.5D ones. In recent years I've warmed up to, um, what's the one, Super Mario 3D World, I've warmed up to that one a little bit. But really, I warmed up to it because I was playing it online with people when it got re-released on Switch. The original Wii U version, I'm still not not a huge fan of. And I love Bowser's, um, what's it called, Bowser's Fury as well, but again, that's a 3D game. And also, semi-controversial for a Nintendo YouTuber, I apologize, I am not a big fan of Super Mario 3D Land. I feel like the 3D did not work for me in that game. It worked in terms of how cool it looked on the screen, like glasses-free 3D, it was great. But I feel like that game, Mario 3D Land, the level design also seemed kind of bland to me. I don't know, so again, Mario, hit or miss for me. More so even than Sonic, which I think is wild. Like, a lot of you, I guess, know this if you've been a fan of my channel for a while, but I love Sonic games. And so for me, like, seeing Sonic Superstars a week and a half ago, and seeing that that game looks like New Super Mario Bros. Wii, where you can play local with four people, with Sonic and Knuckles and Amy and Tails, and by the way, that was in this Direct as well, and it still looks fantastic. I think that game looks great. Seeing that we're getting that game The same year that we are getting this new 2D Mario game that breaks every expectation and brings back sort of like the quirkiness of things like Mario World and Mario 3, I just, I love it. I think the visual style is fantastic. That weird little like semi-animated style of Mario, even the little animations of the character as he's coming out of the warp pipe and he looks back in the warp pipe and laughs or he grabs his little hat or his eyeballs are popping out, it just looks so cute. The environments look beautiful. They look lush. They look more detailed. They don't look bland, generic anymore. You've got like flowers growing on everything. The, the enemies this time around. You've got these missile versions of Bullet Bills or Rockets or whatever. Rocket Rogers maybe. I don't know what they're called. Or Missile Mikes or something. I don't know. But you've got them flying through the sky. You've got these little rollerblading Koopa enemies that are coming off of ramps. You've got Mario slipping and sliding, grinding on rails, Sonic style, doing combos where there's no longer like Like score points instead it goes like good great awesome wonderful it just looks so good it looks innovative it's got multiple playable characters you've got mario you've got luigi you've got toad you've got peach you've got daisy i was telling reagan when this game comes out she has to sit down with me we have to do like a local co-op stream of that where me and reagan play like Pure princess mode, where I'm going through with Peach, she's going through with Daisy, or vice versa. Maybe I play as Daisy, she plays as Peach, or whatever, and we play through the game. There's not a timer anymore. What's going on with the weird like Wonder Seed thing, where now he grabs the Wonder Seed, and then the whole map starts wiggling and waving and stuff, and it reminds me of Touch Fuzzy Get Dizzy from Yoshi's Island. The game looks phenomenal. It looks so unbelievably good. I'm telling you, it looks so good. And I have not felt this way about a 2D Mario game in literally years. And even when I felt this way about a 2D Mario game, again, last time would have probably been like New Super Mario Bros. Wii, and it's because you had the four players, and that kind of thing was new at the time, and the Wii was huge, and that press conference was also a press conference I was there for. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, that was my first E3, right? That was the year they also announced Galaxy 2 and Other M the big game that year was Mario Brothers Wii. So again, like I have nostalgia for that game for multiple reasons. Nintendo sent it to me, I was at the E3. Prior to that, again, I can't remember the last time I was excited for a 2D Mario game. So I think Nintendo is really onto something fantastic. I think Mario Wonder looks great. I will absolutely be streaming some of that game. I really, you know what I would love to do, honestly? I would love to get friends together and play through the entirety of both Mario Wonder and Sonic Superstars, local co-op, both of those games. They come out kind of around the same time, right? Like, I'm going to look right now real quick. What is the release date for Sonic Superstars? Right now, Sonic Superstars comes out, uh, it says late 2023. So I'm just hoping and praying it's not the same week as Mario Wonder. That would stink. I also don't want to do 2D games in a row. Try saying that five times fast. Two 2D games. (laughs) <laughs> so I am very much looking forward to playing through Sonic Superstars. I'm very much looking forward to playing through Mario Wonder. It's a good time to be a 2D video game fan. And I'm really excited to talk about this stuff on Japan Time on Monday, too. I feel like I, I was watching everybody's reactions. Fidel had a great reaction. Shofu had a great reaction. So I'm super stoked. And the other thing is, too, now that Mario Wonder got announced and Mario RPG and all these other things during this Nintendo Direct, I can't believe I'm saying this. Considering how much I loved the original game and Miles Morales, but I feel like Spider Man 2 might have to wait. I feel like, as much as I platinumed those original Spider Man games and loved those games, I don't think I'm gonna get to them before Mario Wonder. Because again, like, I just played Miles Morales a year and a half ago. So I feel like I still have the Spider Man feel in my veins. I'm not like thirsting for a new Spider-Man game. I'm excited for Spider-Man 2, and I definitely wanna play it, but I'm not dying to play it now. Now I'm like, I gotta play Mario Wonder. I gotta play this. It's a new 2D Mario game that looks different than anything else I've seen in recent years. Also, Spider-Man 2 is gonna require more energy. It's gonna be a longer game. I just, I don't know, man. There's Again, we are spoiled this year. There's too much stuff that got announced during this Direct, during Summer Games Fest. Now I really feel like the big video game announcements for the year are kind of done until later in the year. I feel like fall always has something big and uh, the Game Awards always have a bunch of trailers, but I feel like beyond maybe like a September Direct and beyond the Game Awards, I think we're good now in terms of game announcements. The past three weeks have just been non-stop game announcements. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier. There's a lot of stuff that I'm really looking forward to. And I feel like I am not alone. I feel like there's a lot of other people who feel like this is probably going to go down as one of the best years in gaming in a very long time. Like, think of everything that already came out this year. Resident Evil 4 remake, Diablo 4, Tears of the Kingdom. We had the Dead Space remake. We had... um, What else? Here's the Kingdom, I already said, obviously. But Final Fantasy 16, which just came out. Street Fighter VI. There's so much good stuff, and that's just the first half of this year. I still haven't even beaten One Piece Odyssey. I haven't even gone back to beat that. I streamed it like once in the beginning of the year. Haven't played it. Honkai Star Rail came out. I haven't even had a chance to play that yet, either. I gotta put that on my list of things to play. So, again... Absolutely fantastic year for video games, fantastic year for One Piece as well with One Piece Odyssey releasing, and that is going to be my kind of sloppy segue into talking about the impressions of Netflix One Piece. Look at that. Not quite segue got on that, but that's fine. Netflix finally dropped a trailer. For One Piece Netflix, their first live action teaser. I did a full reaction stream to it on Twitch last week. Had a great time doing it. Lots of you guys came through. You guys bumped me up to 70,000 followers on Twitch because of that live stream. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. The trailer dropped. They had the cast go on stage for Netflix to dumb. You had Emily there, McKenna, Inaki, Jacob, Taz, the whole squad. They were so thrilled to show off the first footage. Emily was crying. I was welling up a little bit with tears, too, just because of how much this meant to them. And we finally got the trailer. And thankfully, thankfully, the reception was good. Now, I have been telling all of you for years... Because when I went to go visit the set last year, I mentioned it was going to be good. And I mentioned to all of you, even prior to that, because I know Matt and I know how hard he worked on the show, I was like, I'm telling you, it's going to be a good series. But now you guys can actually see what I'm talking about. You can see the passion behind the sets. You can see the passion behind the actors. You can tell they actually love the source material. Buggy looks genuinely freaky, looks super duper scary, wait until you guys actually see him in action in an episode, you are going to love Buggy. There's a lot of cool stuff that they showed in this Netflix teaser and I would love to dedicate like a whole show just to talking about One Piece Netflix maybe after they get back from Tadum. and I have an available week or something after Anime Expo, maybe I'll bring Matt on and we could talk about it a little bit but overall I feel like this first live action teaser for One Piece Netflix, I thought looked really, really good. My only concern, the only thing that stood out to me where I was like, "Mm, still not sure how I feel about it is the CG on Luffy's arm. I feel like the CG overall, I feel personally, looks really good. I think the CG of the um, the King of the Sea in the very beginning, where you see Shanks standing in front of him, the sea creature looks phenomenal. I think that looks great. I think the CG of some of the environments looks really good too. But the rubber arm, I think personally, does not look good. It looks like bad CG. It doesn't necessarily look like a rubber arm. You know, like, you would understand that the rubber arm would look unnatural because it's meant to be rubber. But I feel like. I don't know if it's just the shading on the arm or something, but something doesn't stand out to me as being quite right. Now, the nice thing is they have plenty of time to tweak it, right? Comes out in August, we got an official release date of August 31st for One Piece Netflix, so I'm not too concerned. I feel like they got time to polish it up a little bit more. But that is the only thing that stands out to me as something that I don't like. And I've seen people, like I said, defending the art and saying it should, it should look like that supposed to look like rubber. That's fine. We're going to agree to disagree. I think the arm doesn't look particularly good. But the costumes look phenomenal. I think the music was great that they showed. The rest of the CG looked great. I thought the actors were great. You could really see the energy of Inaki as Luffy. And so overall, super, super duper happy with what we got for One Piece Netflix. And I'm super excited to see more of it. I'm sure they're probably going to do another teaser, maybe around the time of Anime Expo. That's coming up soon. Maybe they'll do another teaser in like... Well, I guess they have to do it in July, right? Anime Expo's in July, and the show comes out in August. So maybe like one or two more trailers? I don't know what else they could really show. What other characters could they show? What what more do you want to actually see before you physically watch the show? I don't really know. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. But what I do know is I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see more of it. I can't wait to watch it. Super duper excited, super happy for the entire cast and crew. And uh, I'm also very excited because the more they show, the more I can actually post from my time in Cape Town. Um, I will just say this a little bit of inside baseball. I am currently working on a vlog that encapsulates my entire trip. My, my walk on the Going Merry, my walk on the Baratier, my walk around the set, my walk through the costume shop, my walk through the prop room. I mean, I really, the walk through the costume shop, I know I mentioned, but like there's another area of that that's really cool that I want to touch on. Like there's a lot of stuff that I got to see, but the problem is, again, a lot of that stuff um, has not been shown publicly yet, and I feel like I'm probably just going to have to wait until the show comes out to be able to show it, but that doesn't mean I can't start working on it now. And again, I have a lot of footage, so that's something now that Tears of the Kingdom is winding down and now that like a lot of Final Fantasy 16, I'm not gonna be streaming. I'll be streaming like really big moments of it, but otherwise like I'm playing most of that off camera. Maybe I'll do Pikmin here or there. Maybe we'll do some Genshin here or there. But for the most part, like in terms of a really big playthrough, that's done now. And in terms of One Piece still being on break, I've got like two weeks. So probably in the background, for the next two weeks, I'll be working hard on this One Piece live action vlog so that I'll have it ready to go whenever they announce or are able to show more stuff from the show. Um, But no, that is coming. There's also a full walkthrough that I did in this vlog of another character, of another character, excuse me, another environment they have not shown yet, which is obviously very important to the lore of One Piece. And um, that could maybe be a whole video in and of itself, I don't really know, I could make shorts, I have to consult with Brandon. Speaking of consulting with Brandon, another really quick thing I wanna mention. Brandon and I are currently putting together a really cool thing for my YouTube channel. I I think I I maybe should pull out what I'm talking about. Ah, you know what, no, I have to move my green screen forward. I'm not going to. I'm just gonna basically tell you what this thing is, okay? Do you remember back in Nintendo Power when we were growing up, the power charts? Do you remember this at all? where basically Nintendo, every single month, would have a list of the top 20 most popular Nintendo 64 games. And then there would be a ranking. It would say what the rank would be the previous month. It would say why the games have switched. And then there was a little most wanted area where you could vote on what the games were that you were most looking forward to. They were called the power charts. Again, some of you might remember this. I am planning on bringing back the power charts Even though Nintendo Power has been dead for a long time and no one's doing it, I'm planning on bringing back the Power Charts for my YouTube audience. So, if you're a member on the YouTube channel, during the next Roger Rambles, there will be a preview of my Power Charts that are going to be a new short series, both here on YouTube and on uh, TikTok and Instagram as well. Well, we're going to do monthly Power Charts, and then people can vote on what games should be on the next month power chart. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll probably even do a standalone video talking about it and like laying it all out after I've already previewed it for my members on the next Roger Rambles. I see people in the chat going, "Member, you remember Power Charts, remember the VHS tapes, but yes. Power Charts will be coming back. I'm announcing it here, Roger's basis Power Charts. It's going to be with all of you. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's something that you can look forward to um in the next like month or so. Bringing it back to One Piece though. I really want to talk about something else that was brought up to my attention earlier today. This is something that Chansil, who you remember was that amazing artist who did stuff for my Emu Art Contest. This is a concept piece that Chansil did for the you know long-running One Piece theory, the one that I happen to agree with, the one that Randy Troy agrees with. This is something I brought up years ago on my YouTube channel. Chansil did an amazing job with a concept art for what a Vivi with Kuma's devil fruit would look like. Now obviously, if you've been reading the One Piece manga at all, you know right now Vivi is very important to the story and Kuma's very important to the story. You know that Vivi's currently in Mari you know Kuma is currently climbing Mari There is a chance the two of these characters meet. There is also a very high likelihood that Kuma dies there in Mari Again, this hasn't happened yet, this is speculation, so I'm I'm not going into full spoilers, don't worry about it, but I've always loved the idea, and again, Chanseel did an amazing job with this concept art, so I wanna pull this up. And not only did Chanseel do an amazing job with this concept art, they also gave details and lots of little things that tie to older chapters that basically prove that this could happen. So let me open this up, I retweeted it earlier, let me show this. I've also linked to Chanceel's Instagram in the uh, description of this week's podcast. So go, ch- excuse me, go check that out. But let me open up full screen. Boom. Chanseel. What if the pawpaw fruit was eaten by Vivi? This is an illustrated theory and concept designed by Chanseel. And then apparently there's, a- excuse me, also going to be a snow, snow fruit version coming up which is really interesting because to me, I still think if anyone else was gonna get the snow, snow fruit of Monet's, that we don't know where that went right now. We saw the little bunnies in the water. We're not sure what's going on with it. I still thought it was gonna be carrot or Nami, and now it probably won't be either of them, but I would love to see the idea of Vivi getting it. However, I think Vivi getting the pawpaw fruit makes way more sense, and you're gonna see why in a little bit. So first off, look at this incredible concept art that Chen Seal did. Is this not amazing? You get this cat girl Vivi. I love like the little the little bell and the ears when she's in her transformed paramecia mode. I think she looks great. You could see the cat impact as well with a different paw print ability. You see the slapping thrust pressure cannon attack as well. And then apparently because she's utilizing multiple hits, it's something that Robin taught her. I thought that was really cool. You see her utilizing a recovery ability of the pawpaw fruits, dating back to what we saw in Thriller Bark, where Kuma, you know, took the pain from Zoro. Excuse me, took the pain from Luffy and put it into Zoro. We're now seeing sort of an opposite of this, her taking the pain out of Zoro and putting it into something else as a means of recovery and they call it the cat recovery. I think it is super cute. I love this idea. I also love this too. The charming paunch and it's like the cute little cat version of it and Sanji's freaking out over it and it says using her cuteness, Vivi lures her opponents to get closer as she fires a pressure shot at the enemy. Nami taught her the move. I think this is just absolutely adorable. I also love the fact that you see the colorized version of Kuma's fruit, that it looks like that, and uh, and that Vivi, again, her play on it is instead of her being like Kuma, being a bear, she's gonna be like a cat. And that there's a story reason for why she would sort of be cat-like with her Neek unique powers beyond just, oh, she eats Kuma's devil fruit and looks like an animal. There's a really good theoretical reason as to why she would resemble a cat in this form. So let me actually bring this up. He talks about this a little bit during his reasoning. Look at this. I love this. Seal once again, shout out to you. Incredible, incredible job. Look at this. Why would VV be the next Niku Niku user? Now, I think it's interesting to bring this up first and foremost because this is the number one thing that I think people bring up whenever you bring up the theory or the idea that someone else on the crew is going to eat Kuma's Devil Fruit at some point. Way back in the day in SBS volume 59 there was a line that said Odachi I noticed something amazing it's that if you show the straw hat devil fruit users in numbers it'll be the numbers 1 through 10 Luffy's Gomu Gomu no Mi is 5656 5, in Japanese Chopper's Hito Hito is 110110 1, Robin's Hana Hana is 8787 8, and Brook's Yomi Yomi 4343 4, but there is no 2929 2, but somebody ate the Niku Niku fruit, which would have been 2929 Bartholomew Kuma. Is Kuma going to be the next straw hat? Uh, please tell me. And then it was from somebody named Shanks Love. Now, the thing is, Oda basically was like, pay no attention to this. You're not supposed to know anything about this. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. That's how he responded to this person's SBS question. But. If you think about what's going on in the story right now, and where Kuma is, and where Vivi is, and knowing that Vivi, especially because of how important she is, Vivi now having the will of D will most likely join up with the crew again, needs to find a way to teleport to the crew at a certain point, with the pawpaw fruit could smack herself and then teleport somewhere else. Like, there is definitely a high likelihood that Vivi could rejoin with the Straw Hats wherever they go next, or even get to Egghead Island after the death of Kuma, that she could potentially be present for because of Mare Joa. Now, look at this. This is something that was brought up that I didn't even know about before. Chanseel, you're amazing for bringing this up. I gotta put my glasses on for this. First off, the chapter that Kuma introduced his fruit to the Straw Hats was chapter 484. During that chapter, Vivi was the character on the chapter cover. What? Of all the characters that could have been in the chapter cover where Kuma reveals his devil fruit, especially now knowing what we know, Vivi was on the cover? Wild. Also, I'm seeing people in the chat go, remember... Vivi is with Morgan's. Again, Vivi, Morgan's, and Whopp are all still hovering around Joa. They're close. I know she's with Morgan's, but that does not negate that she wouldn't be at Joa right now. In fact, they're almost definitely staying in Marijoa because Morgan's is following the trail. So, no doubt about it, they're close enough where something could happen in the vicinity of, of Kuma. Now, moving on. In the same chapter, in the same chapter regarding Kuma revealing his devil fruit. Robin was thinking about the pawpaw fruit as related to cats. And then when Chanseel made this connection, I was like, this is so unbelievably good. It does tie everything together. Obviously, Alabasta is based on Egypt. There's a lot of ties to ancient Egypt. Mythology, you've got you know, the guy with the Anubis fruit in um, what's it called in Alabasta as well. You've got Pell with the falcon fruit. There are a lot of things that tie Egypt to Alabasta, cats included. Cats, in real life, were represented in social and religious uh, practices in ancient Egypt for more than 3,000 years. And because Alabasta used Egypt as a reference, and the royal palace of Alabarna and Alabasta existed for around 4,000 years, the kingdom of Alabasta considers sea cats religiously significant and strictly forbids them from being harmed. Notably, the tomb of the kings in Alabasta has multiple statues with cats carved in their likeness. Okay, additionally, just like this is, and once you keep going through all this proof, the more you're like, oh my God, this could really actually happen. The, the cat lore and how this ties to Vivi's character in One Piece, phenomenal. Just like Robin, imagine cats to the pawpaw fruit. In chapter 610, we see Vivi in the cover page and she's cleaning the royal bath under the direction of cats who are using their little paws to point to things. She is literally with cats cleaning the bathroom in the palace. Additionally, there's all this other extra stuff that Chancel brings up in this that I want to just read out verbatim because I think it's really, really good. As mentioned above with the Niku Niku fruit, thinking about two and nine and their significance, Vivi was the ninth officer of Baroque Works, and she was targeted by Mr. Two... And now, Bon Clay and Vivi are allies of the Straw Hat clue, uh, crew. And potentially, Vivi is like the next Straw Hat that's going to join. Obviously, she's already a Straw Hat. Obviously. Naturally. She's already considered a Straw Hat. Otis said that. She's in all the artwork with all the Straw Hats. She's on the banner of the One Piece YouTube page. But she's not currently with them right now. But Bon Clay, obviously, has been an ally of the Straw Hats for a super, super long time. So really cool that that's there. Now, later... Mr. Two, just remember that, Mr. Two came up with a plan that would allow the Straw Hats to escape the Marines and meet and pick up Vivi at the end of the Alabasta Saga. Vivi and Bon Clay are also connected to each other by all the different events of the Alabasta Arcs, and when you combine them, Mr. Two and Mr. Nine, you would also get Niku Niku. Now, considering Kuma's condition, Kuma could be killed and Vegapunk could extract Kuma's pawpaw fruit and then give it to Bonnie. And then Bonnie could give it to the Straw Hats as remuneration for all the stuff that happened in the Reverie. And then the Straw Hats could give it to Vivi. Or, which I think is much more likely, I think Kuma dies. The true Kuma dies. I don't think it's going to have anything to do with Vegapunk, reverse engineering, anything. I think, if anything, I think Kuma dies in Mari Joa. His fruit, you know, goes into whatever the other nearest fruit is going to be. And that that fruit is going to be in the vicinity of Vivi and Morgans and Waple and then Vivi eats it. I don't think it's going to be something that Bonnie gives to the Straw Hat crew. I think there is definitely a connection there with Bonnie and what's eventually going to happen to Kuma and her memories. And maybe even a tie between Kuma's memories and something happening in Alabasta. But I do not agree with Seal that Bonnie is going to give the fruit to the Straw Hats and then the Straw Hats are going to give it to Vivi. I still think it's possible... I don't hate the idea, but I I just don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. Now, moving on. Other similarities, tying to history and things like that, bringing up the stuff with the cats. Right here, the murals in the Theban tombs of Egypt show a cat sitting under a chair during a a buffet in the company of a monkey. Let me read this again, because this is wild. My brain couldn't even process this when I saw this earlier, okay? The murals in the Theban tombs in actual Egypt show a cat under a chair. So a cat, Vivi, under a chair, the empty throne, during a buffet in the company of a monkey, Monkey D. Luffy. Bro, if Oda somehow saw this image and saw this mural and tied this in with everything we already know about Alabasta... And everything we know about what's going to happen in Mari Joa and everything that's happening in the future, this is absolutely, positively an insane connection. Insane. I saw that and I I was like, more people should be talking about this. Especially because it's under a chair during a buffet. Empty throne, final party. Luffy and Vivi together. Dude, incredible. Additionally, in the Book of the Dead, the cat represents Ra and the benefits of the sun just like Vivi and Luffy together bear the will of D, and the Alabasta flag is the symbol of the sun, and Luffy is the sun god, as sun god Nika. It's There's too many connections, man. There's too many connections. And the last thing that was brought up in this, that Chen Sil brought up, skeletal remains of cats were found among funerary goods dating back to the 12th dynasty of Egypt. And guess what? Vivi is the daughter of Alabasta's 12th dynasty cobra was the 12th dynasty of alabasta and cats were among the remains of the 12th dynasty of egypt too many amazing connections and then one last little connection that got brought up that i thought was really good that i'm not going to pull on screen because i absolutely will get copyright claimed for it not from chan obviously but because it's like just a, a giant uncut page of the manga if you go Hold on, I have to switch my screen real quick so I don't get hit by this. If you go to chapter 572 of One Piece and you look at the front cover of 572, the image is Vivi sitting on top of a sloth bear. And the name of the chapter is the times they are a-changing. Sloth bear, bear, kuma, Vivi, devil fruit swap, Changing devil fruits? Bruh. There's two. And the other thing I got to pull up. I'm sorry, I'm going off. This theory is just too good. Once again, shout out to Chanseel. And if you look at the image on Kuma's Bible, if you zoom in on the image on Kuma's Bible, there looks like a woman on the image of the Bible. If you compare that image to the image that we see in the anime of Vivi's mother, They look very, very similar. Now, we know that Vivi is essentially the spinning image of Lily from way back in the day. There was a whole title chapter based around that concept. So we know that, okay? But what if the image on Kuma's Bible was not of Vivi's mother, but was actually of Vivi's great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother, Lily. And that Lily was the one who wrote Kuma's Bible. And that Kuma's Bible is not necessarily what we think of in terms of a Bible, but is actually like the will of D. What if that's where she wrote it down? What if that's the message? What if that's what Kuma has been carrying on? What if that is why he joined the revolutionaries... And why he wanted to spread the gospel of Vivi to people who are against what? The world government. What are the revolutionaries trying to do? The revolutionaries are trying to overthrow the government. It's too good. Too many connections. Too many amazing things. Once again, shout out to Chen Seal for bringing up this theory. I think this theory is absolutely phenomenal. I love the idea. Of Vivi getting the unique, Unique You Fruit, and I think the concept art for it was just absolutely beautiful. So, thank you once again to Chun Seal for making that art and letting me talk about it on stream. I think that was great. Okay. I think now we've officially touched on everything. I almost went past the 90-minute mark. That could have been bad. I'm trying to keep these between 60 to 90 minutes. I don't want to go overtime. time. And I feel like I touched on everything. We touched on the Nintendo Direct. We touched on Final Fantasy 16. We touched on Street Fighter. We touched on One Piece Netflix. We touched on Chen Seals, Niku, Niku, Vivi Fruit. We touched on the Nintendo Direct news. I think we touched On everything. So, thank you once again, everybody, for tuning in for what has been a fantastic episode of Touch Base with Rogers Base. Of course, we will be back next Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific time. But right before the very, very, very end of the show, I want to give a shout out to some of these super chats because people have been super chatting and I want to give a shout out to them. So, first and foremost, shout out to uh, Shadow. Shadow for donating, saying the Neek Unique You Know Me could have had its name changed and could maybe be a different model devil fruit. I think that could be very interesting. We also got a massive, absolutely massive $200 donation from Aphoros, who said two things that I know for sure in my life. Jesus is my Lord and Roger is awesome. Thank you for the amazing podcast and all you do. Thank you for $200. Greatly appreciate it. That is a big one, Aphoros. Thank you very, very much. Holy mackerel. No pun intended, obviously. I know you had a religious donation, but no pun intended with the holy mackerel. Thank you very much. $200 donation at the very end of the show. Greatly appreciate that. We also got a donation from Brian Carter who said, Do you think it is possible that a one-piece stream talking about recent chapters with either Tekking or King of Lightning could happen during this break? I am actually going to say maybe... Because Recon is currently in the process of putting together a Reverie stream. And I think that's going to happen before the break for um, One Piece ends. So, we might actually get that. Yes. And then finally, we also got two other donations. One from Crunchy Nugget who said, hope you're doing well. Just want to uh, let you in the chat know that I love every single one of them. The chat is beautiful. We also got a donation from Brian Carter, who said, uh, will you stream Detective Pikachu Returns? Probably not. And he also said, did you see Dragon in the live action has been revealed? I did, yes. Oh, I'm glad you bring that up at the very ending, yes. The actor who's going to be playing Dragon in the One Piece Netflix live action adaptation has been revealed. You can go to our tour, library of our tours, or excuse me, library of O'Hara's Twitter page, Artur is his name. And there's an image of the actor. I think he looks great. I don't know anything else about it. It's kind of breaking news. But I wanted to bring that up as well. Thank you very much. And thank you once again to everybody who donated during this absolutely amazing podcast today. Thank you for everyone who came out. Everyone who listens on Spotify. Everyone who subscribes on YouTube. I greatly appreciate it. Again, we'll be back next Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, with another episode of the show. And in addition to that, I will probably be live tomorrow on Twitch with my live reaction to the Big Mom versus Law & Kid episode of One Piece. So once again, thank you, everybody. Greatly appreciate it. Like, comment, subscribe. And until next time, I will talk to you guys later. Nakam! Thank you once again, everybody. Excellent, excellent show today. And uh, yeah, you're all the best. And I'll talk to you all later. (laughs) Goodbye.